Well, Merry Christmas. Man, it's good to see everybody. Uh, it's great to see all these kids and hear all these kids. So I hope you're, uh, hope you're okay to focus in with all the noise. Uh, I'm used to it. <laughs> At my house, it's noisy like that all the time. But uh, I hope you're able to focus in. I promise to be brief and uh, maybe even keep our kids' attention as well. Um, this time of year, as you've heard, we, we're talking about the good news of Jesus Christ coming to be with us and among us. And um, it's a blessing. Thank you, Russ, for the, the challenge and the call to give. Um, just from me, I want you to hear that our church right now, we are giving away about 35% of every dollar that comes in, giving it away to people who are on the front lines of doing mission. Two of those folks, Wes and Monica, just led us in worship. They are missionaries to UAB's campus, and we support them every month, and we are glad to do that. I want you to know that every dollar you give goes, a large portion of it goes specifically to support people all over the United States and some around the world who are on the front lines of making sure people know that Jesus has come and they can be saved through Him. So that's what our church is about. Our church is not just about building a great big cool place. It's about building the kingdom of God. That's what we want to do. And all those years ago, Jesus came... And that's the good news of the gospel at Christmas is that God himself came in flesh to be with us, to be among us, to be one of us, to rescue us. About six miles outside Jerusalem, there's a little bitty town and there was a baby born to a young virgin girl one night many years ago. This baby wasn't just any normal boy like you and I. He was God in the flesh. We'll talk about what that means a little bit today. God in flesh. The word we we use to explain that is incarnation. That God came and was incarnated with us. And He came to do that. To be one of us so that He could save us. So God had to come in the form of Jesus, had to suffer and die a criminal's death, even though he lived holy and sinless all his life. But he suffered and died a criminal's death because that's what you and I deserve. And he died in our place. That's the that's the news of the gospel and what makes it good news of great joy is that if you receive and believe in Jesus Christ and Him alone, then you will be saved. You see, the news that the angel brought that that night years ago to those shepherds was good news of great joy for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David is born a what? A Savior. So here's the reality is that If you've ever committed a sin against God, you need a Savior. And the stark reality is that every human being on the planet has committed a sin against God. And all of us are desperately in need of a Savior. And hard as we might try, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot be the hope for ourselves. We cannot rescue ourselves. We cannot get to God no matter how hard we try. Every other religion on the planet 
That's its premise. The premise is you, you, you do have a problem. You are separated from God. You're not a good person. But here's, here's what you can do. You can fix this. You can, if you do these things, and if you work hard enough, you'll make your way back to God, hopefully. And at the end of your lifelong journey, every other religion promises you very little. It says to you, maybe it will be enough. But the gospel of Jesus is not that way. The gospel of Jesus is this. He says, you cannot do it. You cannot bridge the gap between yourself and an almighty God. I had to come to you in the form of my son. I've come to you as a savior who can rescue you. You cannot, but I can. And God has come. He has lived a perfect life, died in your place and mine. And he offers to us a free gift of salvation, welcoming you to his table as one of his children. That's the honor it is to believe in this God. It's good news of great joy for who? What did the angel say? Behold, I bring to you good news of great joy for whom? All the people. So we're going to focus our attention there this morning. Uh, we've spent, this is our third week talking about Christmas leading up to today. And I hope you celebrate Christmas this week with your family, with Christ being the centerpiece. But we've talked about the good news at length. We talked last week about how it is great joy for us. And this week we're going to talk about how this good news of great joy is for all people. And what is our role in that? So here's what I want us to hear. The angel comes and says, Behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And we ought to be shocked a little bit by that. By the grace that's wrapped up in that moment. Because here's what we should realize. No person is excluded from this offer. No person. If you could imagine for a moment the, the person in your mind that you think is maybe the, the most wicked of people. And I don't know if you imagine Adolf Hitler or if you imagine some other extreme terrorist or if you imagine another figure in your mind that is just the embodiment of wickedness. And I, what, what I want us to hear today is that this good news of great joy is for even them. It is for them. And it is for you. No one is beyond the saving power of God's grace. And there is no one to whom the gospel call should not be extended. This is the reason um, we support guys who do ministry in the jails and in the prisons. And some of us go weekly and, and, and share the gospel with those who are desperately in need. And Jesus spoke about this. He says, Inasmuch as you've done to the least of these, including those you visited me while I was in prison, and as much as you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. These, we might would say, should be the outcasts. They, surely they should be excluded. And I would say, and the gospel would say, no. They shouldn't be as excluded just as you shouldn't be. Nor should I. Because this gospel of great joy is for all people. So once again, if you've ever committed a sin against God, you need a Savior. And all human beings are in that category. We are all in the category of need of a Savior. John 3.16 tells us about our God and His love for us. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his only son so that whoever believes should not perish, so that we would have life. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 2, that Jesus came as the substitutionary sacrifice. It uses this word propitiation, meaning his death was in your place. Substitutionary sacrifice. He gave his life in the place of and for all the people. 1 John 2, 2 says he didn't just die for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, here's the here's the reality. The death of Jesus Christ and His resurrection from the dead is for every human being on the planet, but is only applied to those who repent and believe and trust in Him as Savior and Lord. So I want to give us three quick realities about how our God came to us in the form of a baby. Here's the first reality. God sent His only Son. God sent His only Son. John 3.16 reminds us that it was God's love for the whole world that motivated Him to give His Son. And so He gave. God gave His Son. God the Father sent God the Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 John 4, 4 tells us that, that He came to be the Savior of the world. And 1 John 4, 9 says that God sent His Son so that we might live through Him. So hear this, hear the character of God. He sent Jesus to rescue. Jesus came as God's rescue mission. Motivated by the heart of love of a great and good God, He sends His Son to rescue you and I and anyone who would believe. Now secondly, Jesus didn't come unwillingly. He wasn't unwilling. God didn't push Him out of heaven. This was the plan from the beginning. Jesus, the Son of God, came. So that's, that's an active verb that the Bible uses about how the Son came. He wasn't pushed. He wasn't just sent wasn't just that God the Father commanded the Son. It was that Jesus, God the Son, came willingly. He came to be with us. The word we use at Christmas is the word Emmanuel. It means God with us. So we're talking about incarnation. This word incarnation, I just want to talk briefly about it. It's the Latin word in flesh. So Jesus came in flesh. It means he, he put on skin. He became one of us. Why, why is that significant? Why does it matter that God came to be with us? Well, the reality is that a human being had to die in the place of other human beings. The substitution wouldn't have been complete if it was some, someone else, all of the Old Testament, the sacrificial system of animals is leading up to a perfect sacrifice, which is a human, the perfect human, who is Jesus incarnate, Jesus in flesh. He came to be with us and he came to be among us. And what's the difference? Well, the difference is this. He didn't just come um, to be near. He came to be one of. He was one of uh, one of us. He was 100% human. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about this, about how Jesus is 
um, exactly like God and exactly like us. He's 100% God and 100% man. So everything that we endure in this life, every temptation that you have faced, He endures and He faces. Even the worst of what we endure as humans, death. Jesus faced it head on. He died the worst kind of death. But Jesus suffered hunger, thirst, sleeplessness, lack, poverty, homelessness, abandonment, pain, agony. You name it, Jesus the human suffered the same kinds of pains that you and I suffered and He endured them well. He endured them perfectly. In fact, facing the worst of the suffering, His own death, the Bible describes how He faced it. It says, uh, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. That's amazing. That a human being could joyfully endure the cross. He was the perfect kind of man. He was the perfect man. He died in our place. So Jesus came. Thirdly, Jesus sinned. So get get the three things. God sent Jesus. Jesus came to be one of us. And now Jesus is sending his followers. I'm going to spend a little time here. Um, Jesus is sending you and me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved that he sent... And then John 17, 18, Jesus says, Father, just as you sent me into the world, so I am sending them into the world. And he's talking about us. He's talking about his disciples and he's talking about you and me. So I want you to get this picture at Christmas. We should think not just about Jesus coming because he was God's method to to fulfill salvation to make salvation a genuine offer you can be genuinely rescued through faith in Jesus Christ and he came to accomplish that task that was accomplished and then he now sends you and I into the gospel into the world with the gospel Jesus actually said father just as you sent me so I am sending them so we could, we could make some direct applications about how God sent Jesus to how now we are being sent. Our mission is the same as His mission. He was sent to rescue. He accomplished all that was needed to rescue. Now we are to, we are to communicate that message. Jesus loved the world well, and now He sends us into the world to multiply His plan and expand His kingdom. Jesus came as the hope of the world and he now sends us into the world that is hopeless without him. I want you to listen to, I'm just going to make these statements quickly and walk through them. Jesus came as the hope of the world and he now sends us into a world that is hopeless without him. Jesus came speaking words of the Father and He has now given to us a gospel message to proclaim. John 17, 14 says that He's giving to us a word. 2 Corinthians 5, um, 18, 17, 18, 19, it, it says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation to our world. We've been given this great ministry. Matthew 28 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We've been given a call to reconcile God's world to Himself. 
Jesus came and suffered to show love to his enemies. I want you to get that, okay? He didn't just come to love his friends. He actually came to love his enemies. Romans 5, 8, among whom we were. We were enemies. The Bible says God showed his love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came and suffered to show love to his enemies, and he now sends us out as sheep among wolves. Are you seeing parallels between how God sent Jesus and how now Jesus is sending us? The father set joy before his son as he suffered the cross. And Jesus has promised us his very own joy and peace. When Jesus is leaving his disciples, he says to them, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. My peace do I give. And Jesus says, um, also he says... So I'm doing these things. I've said all these things. I want you to abide in me so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. Jesus is giving to us a kind of joy that can endure a difficult mission. And the mission of God is tough. It's not easy. It's meant to be. It's sheep among wolves. Dangerous. But he's given to us a kind of joy that endures danger and suffers well. Jesus says, if they hated me, they'll hate you. If they kill me, they may kill you. But endure, because the mission is worth it. And just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is now sending you and I. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. But listen, God so loved the world that He's also sending you and me into, into His world to bring about His kingdom. To love people just as He loved them. Now, so if we're being sent, to whom are we being sent? (laughs) Just as God sent His Son as good news of great joy to whom? To all people. Just as God sent His Son, we also are being sent. Listen, go therefore and make disciples of who? All nations. The word there is pantataethne, which means to all peoples. To everyone. There is no one excluded from the call that we have to go and make disciples. There's no one excluded from the great love of our God. So, we are sent to all people and we must strive to reflect the diversity of the kingdom. I want to talk to us. This is pretty specific application here now. As a church... We must strive to reflect the diversity of the kingdom of God. We are sent to all people, not just a select group. We're not just sent to the people who look like us and talk like us and act like us and spend their money like us. We're not just sent to people like us. We're sent to all people. All people. So as a church, we need to strive to reflect kingdom diversity. This gospel message is meant to go to all nations. The people that meet in this place and call themselves this church need to look more and more like the all people that will be gathered around the throne in glory. And in Revelation, we're given a picture 
Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 7 and again in chapter 9, we're given this great picture of what it looks like around the throne of our great God. I think it would do us well to read at least one of these samples. So um, if you have a Bible, go with me to Revelation chapter 7. Just want us to get a picture of the glory of the throne room of God because this is our goal. We're sent into this world to see this come to be a reality, not only there, but here. Romans chapter, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Listen to what John writes as he's telling of a vision that he sees. He says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. From all tribes and all peoples and languages are standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Listen, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 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 This is a glorious picture of all peoples, every color, every race, every creed, every nationality, every language, every person on the planet who God has redeemed by this good news of great joy will be gathered around his throne shouting, Blessing and honor and worship be to the Lamb of God who was slain as the Savior of the world. This glorious picture is our goal. That's what we strive to see happen. We know it will happen in eternity. This is not, this is not a story that we hope comes to fruition. We know it will. But we want to be a part of How Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, how? On earth as it is where? In heaven. So this place should look more and more like that place. A people who are more and more diverse. Now I want to press in on us practically with what that feels like. Because it's not comfortable. It's not easy. It's beautiful. The beauty of the unifying power of Jesus on display is on display as a witness to the transforming power of the gospel when we are unified. And just to remind us, we talked about this several weeks ago, but unity, listen, unity is not uniformity. It's not. Everyone looking the same and acting the same and being the same is not unity. Uniformity is not unity. Unity is diversity unified. It's a beautiful portrait. It's kind of a mosaic of all these different things who are somehow beautifully brought together by one unifying factor. We have one Lord, one baptism, one God, and it's Him who brings us together as one people. And it's a beautiful testimony of the power of the gospel So we ought to be able to look around this room and point to somebody and go, you know what? The only reason I love him is Jesus. He's he's so not like me at all. We have nothing in common. 
There's no reason for me to even like him except Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel. It brings a people together who have no business being together. And we need to strive to make that happen. The other thing that this mosaic kind of living, kingdom kind of living does for us is it tears down. Now listen, this is where it gets hard. It tears down the idolatry of personal preference. Now listen to me. If we all come together and we're all the same and we all like the same things, it's really easy to make decisions about how we do what we do. Because everybody likes this. So we all like this kind of music. We all like this kind of deal. We all like that kind of thing. So let's just all do what we like to do. But diversity unified forces me into a place where it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about kingdom. And so the idolatry of personal preference is constantly having to be surrendered. I constantly have to say, you know what? That's not my thing. But I'm going to lay it down because this is kingdom beauty here. This is a foreshadowing of an eternal reality. I'm loving this picture of all tribes, all nations, all peoples, all colors, all creatures. This thing right here is more important than what I want. So the idolatry of personal preference is constantly being brought into submission. The church will embrace the Trinity. When we become more diverse, a unified diversity, we begin to embrace God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in a beautiful kind of way. And here's just, just the way it works is um, some groups of people love to, to, to really get into this book and focus in on God as He reveals Himself in His Word. Others are not so concerned with the book and just more about the experience with the Holy Spirit, which is all good and well. But the Trinity needs a beautiful kind of balance where the Word of God is shaping how we interact with the Spirit of God and how we worship God the Father. And when we come together in a diverse way, it helps bring balance to the Trinity. The fact that we have a God who is three persons in one. He's three in one. We shouldn't just look to God the Father. We shouldn't just worship God the Son. And we shouldn't just look for experience with the Holy Spirit. We need Him as He fully is. And a diverse group will help us to do that. And lastly, the church will function when we are unified in our diversity. We will function as a healthy body. You know, just diversity brings about healthy elements. The Bible talks about those who are apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. And we need every piece. Every part of the body must do its part and do its role. So we are sent into the world just like Jesus was sent into the world. He is now sending us to all peoples. To all peoples. So this week, today we gather And then in a couple of days, you will gather, hopefully with family, around your Christmas tree. And you'll give gifts and you'll talk about, hopefully you'll talk about Jesus. And how He's the greatest gift ever given. 
Children in the room. Hey, kiddos, look this way. Look this way. All our kids, look right here at me. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I know you're excited to get presents. It's Christmas. Everybody's excited to get maybe a toy train or something cool, a new Barbie doll or American Girl doll. I want you to listen to me. The greatest gift ever given is Jesus. And He's given to you and to me and to all people. And at Christmas, we talk about this great gift. God so loved the world that is all people that He sent Jesus. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And the only way to save us is to die for us. And that's what He did. Listen, every offense, every sin you've ever committed against our holy Creator God, all of them, the Bible says, were written and nailed with Jesus Christ on the cross. Every accusation against you, every accusation against you was nailed against the cross with Jesus Christ. And all you need to do is repent, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord. And all of that will count for you. Jesus came bringing this good news of great joy to all people. And we want to declare to you today that there's good news for you. Jesus has given His body broken in your place. Jesus has given His blood shed on behalf of your sin. His body broken, His blood shed. And all of that is meant to purchase your freedom, your salvation. He was buried and three days later rose from the dead to demonstrate He has power over our sin. We place our faith in Him today. and We remember that Christmas is all about Christ. Now if you're not a believer today, you can be. That's the good news of the gospel, right? It's good news of great joy for anyone who would believe. And so if you would believe today... God can rescue your soul right now. And we would celebrate with you if God does that in your life.